Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. We've been looking at our focus for 2023, a worshipping community united in faith, stepping up to partner with God in love. And like Victor said, we've already looked at community, we've already looked at the whole area of worship, and we began to look at what does it mean to be united in faith. And my argument was that the reason we are community as God's people is because we are created in God's image. And God is one God existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so because they are, they are, they are a community, they, we become community because we reflect or we mirror who they are. But we also worship because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are consistently and continuously glorifying one another. And so they invite us into that as well. We are made in their image so that we can be able to... Um, to worship them as well as we, we, we just uh, glorify who they are. United in faith. Last uh, Sunday, we looked at the whole area of how we become united in faith because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today we shall be looking at uh, Exodus, I mean, 2 uh, second, uh, uh, second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 again, and just looking at the whole area of the love of God. And the argument here is we are united in faith because of the love of God. Again, it's because of the triune God that we get united together in love. You know, there's a lot of scripture, a lot of the Bible that talks about divisions because one of the things that happened after the fall of man were divisions. So you'll find immediately after the fall, Adam and Eve, they could no longer see uh, eye to eye. Their children, Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel. You can imagine the pain of seeing a family divided. And so when we talk of united in faith, we're not just talking about the church of Jesus Christ as in the Karura community chapel, but we're talking about brothers and sisters. We're talking about family. We're talking about friends being united in, in faith. You imagine a family like that of Isaac, their children, Jacob and Esau, because of lack of love, there is this disunity that just takes place and one of them, the mother has to kind of come in to rescue one of them and just tells them, just run away and go and live away from home because of a lack of love. And in that home, you could also see the father loved one child and the mother loved one child, there's favoritism, and you can see the kind of thing that a lack of love does. And so really, you can be united, so to speak, but there is no love. And last Sunday, I gave the example of the people of the Tower of Babel. They were united, but they were united out of fear, not out of obedience to God or to give God the glory. And their intention was to make a name for themselves. And I said, when you get united for such a thing, it doesn't actually last. You may be united, but it doesn't last. You may even be united as a family, maybe for cultural reasons or, you know, especially the, the owner shame kind of uh, and culture that we come through or we come from. 
But you're not, there's no love in it. And so the argument today is the concept of love, that we who are called by God, we are to be united in faith based on love. And so uh, my first reading is coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I'll, read, I'll do three readings. Uh, so the first one is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Next Sunday, uh, Reverend Martin uh, shall be looking at the whole area of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But today we're just focusing on the love of God. When you come to John chapter 3, verse 16, all the way to verse 18, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And so this is my sermon outline again for those who write, believe it or not. There are seven uh, uh, parts of it. There's the type of love. I'll look at the types of love. I'll look at the unipersonal God. I'll look at uh, polytheism, the triune God, the measure of God's love, the purpose of God's love, and then united in faith. Let me start with the types of love. The types of love, many of you know them. They, you know, unfortunately, English is very limited. Sometimes you say, uh, I love fish, and then you turn to your wife and say, honey, I love you. So you wonder, which one do you love more, and what does it mean? You can see they are all there. There is eros, toge, phileo, and then there is agape. Agape is a lot of what is used in the New, uh, in the New Testament. Phileo is that which is, you know, I like you, and then you reciprocate, you like me, I love you. You reciprocate and you love me. So it is a mutual kind of love. It's based on what you do uh, to me, and so I, I reciprocate. But agape is quite different. And it's a one which is actually very much used uh, in the New Testament when it's referring to God. But there is, there is also the concept of our, our gods, the kind of the, the various ways we worship. And this sometimes even happens even within the Christian faith. There are people who call themselves Christian, but they only know of a unipersonal God. And if you look through the centuries, religion has caused some of the pain, the worst pains in the world because of the beliefs that people have. And so there are those who have a unipersonal God. A unipersonal God is that God who is one person and one, this, that person is the, the one God. So unipersonal God. And, and, and the, the challenge with unipersonal God is it, there's a presumption that before this God created, love was not his essence. Because love assumes that there is another. And so this God was powerful enough to create. And then only after he created or she created was there love. So love is usually an afterthought. And, 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 and Augustine argues quite uh, quite powerfully about uh, this uh, particular kind of God. He says, there's, there's just, love is not the essence of that particular God. It comes in, it's a peripheral. Love is peripheral to that God. And so when you listen to people who uh, worship a unipersonal God, they, they will talk about 
uh, this God who is benevolent, this God who is merciful, this God who is sovereign. And sometimes these gods can be very severe. And, 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 and they can be very, um, th th there's a lot of absolutism that is created uh, within uh, these gods. And people who uh, are believers in uni, person, God, many of them tend to be individualistic. You'll find their cultures, a lot of their cultures are individualistic. Because this God is uni and it's more about individualism. It's about what I want. And so what other people want is not important. It's about what I want. And it's because they are getting their thinking from their beliefs, from where uh, they, 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 they are, they, they, their God is. And so it is important that you begin to analyze yourself and to, real, to think, what kind of God do I believe in? Then there is polytheism. And uh, D.A. Carson's again argues very much about that. Let me just quote Cassons. Uh, 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 he says, polytheism is where there are many gods. In most polytheistic cultures, the family is all important. Ethnic tribe is all important. Polytheism makes an idol out of the tribe or the family. Each god tends to rule over certain domains. So, for example, you'll have the Greek god called Eras. He was the god of love. Then there's the god who controls the sea. Then there's the god who controls the human discourse and so forth and so forth. So you must share your allegiance out to all the different gods of all the different domains. Part of pagan religion, therefore, is to work through the appropriate sacrifices to, to please these gods that, so that they may bless you in the approved areas. It is a scratch, it is a scratch your, work, your back and you scratch my back. And you live with a certain amount of fear and terror precisely because you can never be certain that you have scratched the backs of these gods, uh, the backs of these gods enough. Or there might be other gods who are more powerful gods than the god you have just sacrificed to. These gods have their, have their loves, they have their fears, and they have their jealousies. Those of you who come from Africa, you probably understand this a lot more. Because these things are they're all over. Where you have the god for the rains. Then, I mean, when you're walking the streets of Nairobi, so you normally see this doctor so-and-so, the doctor for love, yeah? So you go, he does something, you, you give him something, he sacrifices, and then they, they, maybe they put some blood on you so that when a girl sees you, she's just drawn to you. You know what I mean? That's a god for, for love. But there are all these kind of gods. And what tends to happen is you, you find it's, it becomes just very complex. Then, of course, there are places like uh, Buddhism where you really don't have a personal God at all and so you can't speak of a personal loving as the essence of this, uh, this particular God. But what happens is the tribe tends or the family tends to be the most important thing. So th their sense of community is kind of warped so that the honor of the family is more important than the individual. And if you do something wrong that the family doesn't like, they can even kill you because what's What's more important at the end of it is what, how does the family look like? And really, at the end of it, when you scratch down, you realize there's no love. It is more about my reputation and how I look like. Does that, that, does that make sense? Then there is a triune God. And, and uh, there was in, a, in the fourth century, the church fathers had this thing they called the triune dance. And I'll be asking Pastor Wallace and uh, uh, Reverend Martin to come up. We just illustrate that. I, I realize uh, Itana and uh, Victor gave me a few more minutes. It was not on my sermon notes. 
we illustrated it at another, at another service, the 11 o'clock, but not in this service. But we are going to illustrate how the triune God works. Uh, in, uh, several years ago, I was, I was in Singapore. And, and I, I got, I, Singapore has uh, three main religions. There is Hinduism, then there is Islam, and then there is Buddhism. Christians you speak to, most of them are first-generation believers. And so during the week, I visited a church. And in that church, they had a mug. They gave me a mug. And they, call, they said, we are Trinitarian. We are Trinitarians. And on this mug, there's a thumbprint. And I, I remember asking the pastor in that church, why do you, uh, why do you emphasize so much on this? And even why a thumbprint? And he told me, the thumbprint is a fact that is, shows that we identify with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. But also the thumbprint is a, a, an illustration that they have created us in. This God has created us in his image. That we may be one in the body of Christ, but individuals who are working together, united as God, the triune God, is. So I have Reverend Martin here. Ma Reverend Martin is going to be God the Father. Uh, you'll be God the Son. I'll be God the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is an illustration of how they love one another. What am I? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, his main focus is not himself. His main focus is God the Son and God the Father. All right? God the Father's main concern is God the Son. The Bible says the Father loved the, the Son. His main focus is the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he loves them. And then the focus of God the Son, the Son loves the Father. And the Son loves the Holy Spirit. All right? So let's go. Let's proceed with the dance. And since you're the wise one, you'll tell us what we shall do. <laughs> All right, we've, we've, we've agreed how we shall go. All right, so this is an illustration of love. Um, my illustration of loving this. So um, the, this Holy Spirit going around the Father, going around the Son, and they have this wonderful, powerful dance that they just uh, go around each other and they care for one another. And so they decided, out of their love for one another, they decided that they are going to create eternal. Where is it? Where is it? Ah, come here, come here. So they decided to create Adam. So this is Adam. All right? So Adam comes, and they are so happy, and Adam joins this wonderful dance. All right? You want to join us in this dance? Caring for one another? All right, let's go. Continue. All right? So they are all there. Everybody's looking out for one another, and it's a beautiful dance. And then Adam does something. The Satan comes and tells Adam, you don't worry about these people. You, you, you can be God yourself. And so what happens is Adam stands still. And when Adam stands still, he spoils this dance completely. Because this dance is based on care for one another. Adam no longer cares for God the Father. He no longer cares for God the Holy Spirit. And he moves out of the circle. And that is the triune dance. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right?
So we have, we have this triune God. And John Edwards' argument about the triune God, let me just quote. Is it, is it possible to put it up so that I can just quote what uh, John Edwards says? He says, but if God is tri-personal, that is three persons in one, then he was love and community from eternity. It is out of that love that he decided to create a race of human beings to share that love and glory. So love comes first and it is the basis of his power. And like the unigod whose followers emphasize his power, the power of a triune God is it emanates out of his love. It's the basis of his power. Love is the basis of his power. This is an enormous implication for what is important for human life. It means that loving relationship is what our life is about. This God was already love. In fact, when he created, he, no, he did not need love. He did not create because he needed love from that, those that he had created from Adam and Eve. Now, let's look at uh, what is the measure of God's love for us? This is given to us in John 3.16 that we read. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Love the world. What is the world? The world are those who are defiant, those who are already condemned, those who are rebellious against God. And yet, these are the ones that God gives his son to. That is the nature of God's love. It is a love that God, the holy God, is up here. He stands up here. And realistically, he should destroy this world because it's a sinful world. It's an evil world. But what God does is he does not lower his standards. He is God who is up here. But he reaches out to the world and offers his son so that those who may receive him may come back to a level where he is. They may come to his presence because of what his son has done. So what is the purpose of God's love? The purpose of God's love is to give us eternal life. That is what that passage, that particular passage, it says in, in uh, John 3.16 from part B, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the purpose of love. You see, the opposite of love is usually fear. And a lot of the destruction that is taking place, whether you talk of the invasion of Ukraine, whether you talk of the troubles that are going on in DRC today, a lot of it is fear. And the results are always destruction. But love talks of life. It talks of this security. It talks of this being, the, the creative, the healing and the restoration that God has for us. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then it says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of, the, of God's one and only son. In other words, this son is not coming into the world and because of him, the world will be condemned or not condemned. The world is already condemned. And so if you and I don't believe in this son or we don't know this son, 
We are already condemned as it is, even before he came because of the fall. But because of his love, he reaches out to us. And this God is an amazing God because of this particular love he, that he brings to us. United in faith. You see, in the beginning, we see this image of God and his creation. His image bearers. They burst in his love and walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. So they could wake up in the morning and the first thing they're thinking about is God. They're marveling at his holiness, at his grace, at his attributes, at his sovereign wisdom. That is just past finding out. They would depend on him, on his goodness, on his every affection for, for, for this particular God. And, and you know, they would look at the entire universe through this, the eyes of this God. Because this God was at the center of their lives. And they were rightly related to each other as Adam and Eve. Because they were rightly related to God. But Satan came. And told them, you no longer need to obey this God. And the temptation that Satan gave was that you will become like God. And you know, this temptation to become like God is not just some little uh, bending of a rule or breaking of a rule of eating of a fruit. It's massive. Because its very essence is idolatry. It's basically saying that now I am on top and God is beneath and, and if this God then is beneath me, then he has to serve me. Or I will either find other gods, and since I'm, I'm bigger than him, I will actually be God. And so now I begin to look at everything through my eyes and my perspective. I'm no longer seeing things through God's eyes and through God's perspective. With God at the center of the universe. And my heart's affection are no longer basking in his love. Instead, I'm looking at things that this, I am the center of the universe. And because I'm the center of the universe and God is beneath me, it takes a lot of effort and will and mind for me to think about loving him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And secondly, since I am at the center of the universe, your problem, you stupid idiot, is that you think you are at the center of the universe and I'm the center of the universe. How can that be? Guess what that means? We then begin to fight. We then begin to tear one another. Because you want to be at the center of the universe. I want to be at the center of the universe. Guess what that does? It brings out jealousies. It brings out issues of rape, covetousness, envy. And basically a lot of chaos. This is another illustration that I have. Can I, uh, Wallace, can I have uh, some of that water and th those glasses? Uh, this is how, because the Bible says that God is love. And the fact that God is love and love emanates from him, this is then how it was from the very beginning. Thank you very much. Uh, Reverend Martin, please, since you've come, don't go away. This is 
This is how man was from the very beginning. This is God. God is love. And Ephesians chapter 3 says his love cannot run dry because he is love in himself. Like we saw the illustration over here. So uh, this is how, uh, just leave, I can leave the bowl down. This is how God was pouring love into Adam at the very beginning. And Adam was created to receive God's agape love. And that's why we are always looking out for love, whichever way we look at it, because we were created for that. But after the fall, he moved away from the presence of God. So he was no longer there and could no longer receive the love of God. So what Jesus does is, by the grace like we looked at it yesterday, is he brings Adam back into his presence. And when he brings you and I back, then he continues to pour his love into our, our lives like that. Now, put it a bit higher. Reverend Martin, you come over there and put your glass under. And as God pours, I'm not sure you've blocked some people, Reverend Martin. As God pours his love into Pastor, what's your name? <laughs> Pastor Wallace. Pastor Wallace. That love overflows. And as it overflows, it goes into Reverend Martin. It is not that he's, it's, it's not like um, Pastor Wallace is, is starving of love. But it's actually love that overflows. That's what agape love does. That's why when you and I are in the presence of God, we are able to love one another. And that's why 1 John chapter 4, it says that you cannot say you love God and you don't love others. Because if you love God, his love overflows and it pours into others. Now, there's something else that I need to say about this love. You will notice, I want to speak a little bit to the men around here. You notice that the way God creates, he creates Adam first. And then, of course, there's a triune dance. There's a, but man is still creature. He's still created from dust. And God says, the nature of love is that love gives. And so he knows Adam has this love and Adam wants to give that love. And guess what? He begins to pour this love into Adam. And as he pours this love into Adam, this love also overflows to Eve. And that is why you'll often find the Bible hardly talks of women or telling women to love their husbands. It tells husbands love. It's because the way we are to relate to at a family level, the way we are to relate to our wives, husbands, is to be so open to God's love. Because if your love is eros only, you're in trouble. If it's only stoge, you're in trouble as well. If it's only phileo, it means you will love your wife if she's good to you. And you'll only relate to her to the extent that she relates to you. But if you take agape love as a husband, then you get this self-giving, self-sacrificial love to your wives. You understand what I'm saying? And so Adam 
God's role is to ensure that he's so open to God and allowing the love of God to flow through him to his wife. Because as fallen women, they are not always very lovable. <laughs> but with God's love, he loves the world and the world is not lovable. You get it? And this way then we begin to create a united community of faith that is based on God's love. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God be with us. So it's not just a word. But there's something else that is very important. Are your hands tired? No. <laughs> there's something else that is very important. You and I should never assume that the fact that you are giving love, it will be received. Does that make sense? Because what happened, you can lower them a bit, but don't go away. You, I'm still with you. When you look at the story of Israel, when they went to Egypt, Egypt is a kind of a world. Egypt had the power. And you and I, in our fallen state, one of the things is selfishness. And we exploit people. And they exploited the Israelites. Something about slavery, something about colonialism, something about apartheid, is the first thing they do is they damage your self-esteem. They damage your identity. That is what the fall does. You remember when, when, uh, when, Adam, when Adam sinned? What was the first thing he did? He went and hid. Because there was fear in him. There was shame. His identity became damaged. Because he no longer was in a place where he was receiving this love. And the thing was fear came into his life. And so most of the time, when we are not in the love of God, we are constantly in fear. And that is why I, I usually encourage young ladies and young men, is don't marry somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Because most of the time, they'll be operating from fear. And they will deal with you from fear. And people who live in fear are very fearful. So Adam's image was destroyed. He was in fear. And because his identity had been destroyed, he became also exposed. And he knew now he was saying, I am naked. And so you realize, even when Babylon took the Israelites into captivity, the first thing they did was to damage their identity so that they are no longer identifying with God. So Daniel's name was changed to the name of another God. You get it? So the thing that sin does to us is, first of all, it deals with our self-esteem. It damages us. I was, I, was, I was in a country that practiced apartheid for a long time. Let me just say South Africa, several months ago. And even though legally, apartheid is destroyed, the systems are very much in place. I was in Durban, driving all the way to Port Elizabeth. And you could see these little huts on huge farms. And you could see people... My age mates, those people who are age mates, I would like to tell them about Kenya, but they couldn't relate because their education system was crafted in such a way that they were not to think beyond where they stayed and they were not to know what other countries do. So you realize like for Daniel, he's, he was to be so damaged in his mind that they were to learn the literature of only the Babylonians and not even know about their own 
literature, even about their own God. So there's a lot of damage that slavery does. But you see, the book of Exodus and the slavery of Israel is an image of what sin has done to us. And so when God calls the Israelites out of Egypt, the first thing he does is to give them an identity. He tells them, I am the Lord who has removed you out of Egypt and you shall have no other gods. Because you see, in Egypt there were so many other gods, but they also had slave masters. And for the longest time, they assumed those slave masters were their masters. And even for the apostle John, before he wrote the book of Revelation, the, the emperors that were ruling were terrorizing Christians. And for a while, you can think the things that are terrorizing you for the moment, they are your masters. And you begin to find your identity or you begin to revolve your life around the things that are terrorizing you. Some of them it's economy. Some of them it's just many other things that are terrorizing you. And then God gives John an opportunity to go and see what is happening in heaven. In Revelation chapter 4, the first thing John sees, no, it's not streets of gold. It's a throne. One seated on a throne. To show that there is one in charge. The one who gives us identity is God. And so when God calls the Israelites, he gives them identity by telling them that he is their God. They are to find their identity in him. And the way you find your identity in God is by allowing yourself to be loved of God. And as you are loved of God, you are able to love others. And we form a community united and a community overflowing with love. It is not our love. And I think that is why in John 17, you pastors are great. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you are to form a community of love, we must be willing to allow ourselves to be poured into by God. Some of you say, I'm so damaged. I don't even know how to receive love. I, don't, I, was, I was never loved. But what the Bible says in John 17 is that because God loves the, the son, the son, when we're in the son, he brings us in the presence of God. And God then is able to love us just as we are. Agape love. And this is the love I bring to you today as you go into the week. I want you to think of something today. I want you to be very intentional. I want you to think of three people that you're going to really love on today, this week. I also want to challenge you. Maybe you've not been feeling loved. You People have abused you and you've allowed other people to be masters of your life. Like the Babylonians were to the Israelites. Or like the emperors were to John, the apostle John. I want to challenge you to see who is on the throne today. But the third challenge I want to throw to each and every one of us is to be so intentional that if God has brought two or three people around you, that you will so love them that they will see the love of God. Why is that important? When God called Abraham and told him, look at the stars. They didn't have telescopes those days. How many stars really can you see? Or look at the sand. How, many, how much sand can you see? You can only see so little. But you see, as each and every one of us as believers, we do our part in loving the world and in passing on God's love, in being channels of passing on God's love. 
what happens is then the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and with the love of the Lord. Because each and every one of us is doing our part. Some of the challenges we tend to have is we want to change the whole world by ourselves on the same day. The fourth thing I want to ask is for us to know that love is learned. We learn love. Especially after the damage that sin has done to us. We learn to love. Will you submit yourself this week to learn to be loved by God? Irrespective of what has happened. And if anyone ever comes to you and tells you, I don't feel God has loved me. I don't feel God can love me because of the bad things I've done. Maybe someone has just procured uh, an abortion. Somebody has just, um, somebody has just abused another person, has stolen. And they come to you and say, I don't think God can love me the way I am. Don't tell them that there are other people who've done worse. Or don't tell them you're not really that bad. Tell them this. What you've seen is just an ice. What God has revealed to you of who you are is just an iceberg. A small part. You are worse than that. Because if God were to reveal to you who you really are. You are evil. I am evil. But he loves us. And because he loves us and we are evil, can we love others? As the worship team comes up, I'll ask Victor and Etana to pray for us. But before they, as they do, they are coming. Maybe you're just there. You're saying, God, I want to just make a step of faith today. I want to receive this special love of God in a special way this week. Maybe you've been in a divisive situation and you want to say, God, I want as a result of this love to be the uniting factor. Probably in your family or wherever you are. And maybe you're here, you've never received the love of God. You've been trying to say, I'll first have to be good to be accepted. In other words, you want to be so good so that you feel that God has accepted you on your merit. But that can't be. I just want to ask you to stand up. But I'll ask another group of people to stand up as well. You have somebody you just want to pray for. To enjoy this love of God. You can see they are damaging themselves because they don't understand love. Their self-esteem is so damaged. And you just want to stand up before the Lord and say, I'm standing in the gap today. I want you to stand up. We have our elder here. He's going to pray for you. Just stand up. Feel free and stand up. And stand up. Some of you are standing in the gap. Some of you are standing for yourselves. He's saying, this week I'm going, I have three people. I want to pour this love. I want to be a channel of pouring this love to Some of you are husbands and you're saying, look, my wife is not as much, I'm not been loving as much and I want to just show God's love to her. Just saying I want to be there. Thank you. Our elder is going to pray for you after this song, but let's sing together. I, I'm also standing up and that's why I'm asking the elder to pray for us. There is a name.
Father, for your love. Thank you even for John 3.16 that is so clear that we were first loved and that's why we love Almighty Father. Lord, we have stood in your presence today. We have taken a step of faith and Lord, just as your word says, approach the throne of grace with confidence. Therefore, today we approach your throne with confidence asking for your love Almighty Father. Many of us have lived in fear, Almighty Father. Driven by the times that we live in, driven, Almighty Father, by the many damaging relationships that we've had, both with our parents, our fathers, and we have projected a wrong image of you as a Father in heaven. Forgive us today, Almighty Father. And therefore, Father, we say we want to receive this agape love. For we have known many other types of loves. We have known eros. We have known phileo. We have known stojo, mighty father. But we have lacked the taste of agape love because we have stepped away from you. Today, Lord, we are saying we are coming back. Restore us, almighty father. We are taking this step of faith that we may be restored to you, Almighty Father, that we may taste this love of identity, that we may taste this love of salvation, that we may taste this love of reunion, Almighty Father, that we may dance with you, Almighty Father, you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we may be a channel that passes this love to others, that as you pour into us, Almighty Father, as we overflow in our cup, that we may overflow the same love to others, Almighty Father. Let it be evident in our actions, Almighty Father, and what we do. But Lord, also soften our hearts, for we have hardened our hearts, Almighty Father. We have become a stiff-necked people that do not even want to receive your love. Give us hearts full of flesh this morning. Give us hearts that can receive this love that we may be open to see your love throughout coming week, Almighty Father. That we may know what to be loved is. Because, Lord, some of us have thought we are so far off in sin. But yet, Almighty Father, your blood, your blood that the book of Isaiah says, come, let's reason together that what you think is as red as crimson may become as white as snow, Almighty Father. Because there is nothing that can be stained in a way that cannot be made as white as snow, mighty Father. Thank you. Thank you for this reckless love. Thank you for this amazing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As this message challenged you, we hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.